I started this work, it was homelessness was new. I didn't grow up in a world where folks were sleeping in doorways. Uh, I grew up in just outside of Cleveland, Ohio. I need a dollar, 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 that's what I need. Hey, hey. I found it outrageous that we had folks who were living outside, and uh, I just felt compelled to, to get involved in the work, and I fell in love with, with doing the work. And if I share with you my story, would you share your dollar with me? That was Brian Carone, Executive Director of Street Sense. And this is Sounds from the Street, where we get to meet men and women working hard to end homelessness. I'm your host, Adam Campy. It's hard to fathom, but homelessness wasn't always a national issue in the United States. In fact, it's as young as some millennials. When Brian Carome graduated from Boston College in 1985, hungry to change the world, he enlisted in the Jesuit Volunteer Corps, a sort of domestic spiritual peace corps. That experience solidified and ignited his passion for ending homelessness. Some years later, he's still at it, pouring his dedication and energy into writing an ambitious future for the scrappy nonprofit. Brian and I discuss the various changes afoot as he explores his past, Street Sense's present, and what lies ahead. And you've been here more or less for about five years? Uh, four years. It was four years this past November. Okay. And... What were you doing prior? What was your life like prior to becoming the executive director of Street Sense? So I'm, a, I'm in many ways a really typical Street Sense story. Is I, I, I'm here seeking a second chance. Uh, my career has been spent in homeless services. I started working at a shelter and daytime drop-in center for persons who were homeless here in the District of Columbia back in the mid-1980s, right after college. But immediately prior to coming to Street Sense, I had a couple of years of real instability in my life, uh, in unemployment, trying to find a job that sort of inspired me and that uh, really worked for me. Uh, I had some short stays, several short stays at an organization. So Street Sense gave me a chance to be an executive director again at a time when I wasn't sure I was going to have that opportunity. And, and you mentioned um, that you'd worked in homeless services prior why homelessness? My goal coming out of college, I wanted to be a professor of, of Irish and European history. So it was instilled in me that um, I had a responsibility to give back. So I, I took what I thought was going to be a year diversion from graduate school, uh, came to Washington through a program called the Jesuit Volunteer Corps, and spent a year working uh, in the basement of a Catholic church that had a multi-purpose center for folks who were homeless. And six months in, I was pretty sure this is what I was going to do for the rest of my career. Um, a couple of things. I, I fell in love with the work and, and the people who were doing it and, and what we were trying to do. And uh, I found it outrageous that in a, in a nation of such wealth that we had folks who were living outside. And uh, I just felt compelled to, to get involved in the work. And I fell in love with, with doing the work. I, I also, though, do the work because growing up, I experienced a safety net. Um, there was a, a period after my parents' divorce where my mom was really struggling to raise six kids on her own. And we experienced what a safety net looks like and how it can keep a, a family with its head above water. Um, and I think that gives me a real appreciation for the work that I'm doing here. It's a chance to, to give back uh, some of the enormous uh, help and, and uh, assistance and uh, community compassion that I experienced when I was growing up. I didn't realize that you did JVC. Um, I know we've talked about full disclosure. We both went to Boston College, 
Jesuit Catholic University, and I have several friends who did JVI and JVC, two of which did something involving homelessness in DC. It was a, it was an incredible experience for me, and uh, you know the, the slogan. My mom hated the slogan. It was it's ruined for life, but that's what it was back then. I you know had the shirt that said ruined for my life. My mother couldn't understand because she thought I was ruining my life by not going off to law school or you know something like that. But I really fell in love with the work. At a time also, I think, and, and this is so different than now, I mean, homelessness was one of the main political issues of that time. And there were a number of, a small number of very charismatic national leaders, uh, one of whom was here in D.C. As I mentioned, I mean, I, I was looking for, I was a history major in college. I, I pretty much was a student of, of revolution and nationalist movements. And I found the revolution I was looking for, or at least thought I did, uh, because there was a very strong movement uh, coming into being to end homelessness in this country that that grew out of the anti-war movement and grew out of the the war on poverty um, and was led by uh, a number of very charismatic people, including Mitch Schneider, who who was here in Washington, D.C. Because anybody in their right minds knows that when you talk to realtors and developers, their job is to make money. Advocate Mitch Snyder, speaking out in 1989. You make money building condominiums and co-ops and office buildings and shopping malls. You don't make money building affordable housing. So that's why Mitch Snyder was such an important political figure, a movie was created about him called Samaritan, the Mitch Snyder story. Actor Martin Sheen played the title role. Now, back to the Brian Carome story, <clears throat> actor still to be determined for the eventual movie adaptation. Did you study liberation theology? I did. Yeah. I did. I actually, I, did we talk about this? I, I actually oh. met Pablo Freire. Oh, wow. Um, who wrote a book called Pedagogy of the Oppressed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've not read it, but uh, again, yeah, that was yeah. a part of the, uh, the atmosphere at Boston College. So, yeah, a couple of just housekeeping questions about Street Sense. Um, for somebody who has no idea what this organization is, how would you define Street Sense and what is the mission of Street Sense? So Street Sense began as a typical street paper, which is a, a model uh, that we didn't invent. Uh, it began in the New York City in the mid-1980s, and has since spread all around the world. And, and what a street newspaper is, is a local publication. It's print. It's not digital, uh, primarily, uh, that reports on homelessness and poverty, among other things in some cities. Uh, in the local community where it's published. Uh, and then it employs men and women who are homeless to uh, sell the newspaper, to distribute it as a, an, a way of earning an income. All right, Eric Thompson Bay. Ian is Butler, Brothers Hall. How many papers do I have? How many trade-ins? I got 10. All right, Eric, you got? I want something different in life. And what keeps me focused a lot is selling papers. And, and that gets to our mission, which is twofold. One is we provide economic opportunities to men and women who are homeless. And two is uh, we're a public education entity. We believe in uh, informing the public about the issue of uh, homelessness and poverty out of a belief that a more informed public is going to be more likely to get involved in public policy initiatives to address and eradicate the issue. Uh, you know, Street Sense exists to play a part in ending chronic homelessness. My my first day on the job, at my very first job uh, at, at the shelter in D.C., I was told by my executive director that part of my job was to put the organization out of business. And I sort of explored that. What, what does that mean? Um, well, you're here to, to help us address a systemic issue that causes homelessness. We're, we're, 
we're not looking to exist you know forever uh, our job is to end whatever issue that brought us into being so here at street sense our job is to end homelessness not to create a m- massive organization but to end homelessness and, and put ourselves out of business by eliminating the issue that brought us into being in the first place in the time that you've been here you know a relatively short stint how do you feel that the organization is doing the organization's changed a lot since I've been here. Um, and it's also very different than any place I've ever worked before. My career has been spent in, had been spent in traditional homeless services. There's a real difference here in our relationship to the men and women that we serve from any place I've ever worked before this, in that the, the men and women that we work with that, that are the targets of our mission uh, feel a genuine sense of ownership for the organization that, that they've earned, that's theirs. From the very beginning, they were the entire distribution network of the newspaper. They also uh, have produced the, the writing and photography uh, for the newspaper. About half of the writing comes from men and women who are also homeless and selling the paper. And so that traditional organization-client hierarchy uh, that exists uh, probably because it, it needs to in most homeless services organizations, for instance, in feeding programs or in shelters or housing programs, doesn't exist here. And uh, we very much see ourselves as colleagues. And, and I think that really changes so much of the dynamic of this place. Uh, the, the men and women who come here don't see themselves as victims as much, uh, and, and we don't see them as victims. Uh, they are folks who are um, using their own agency to change their lives um, and, and taking the power that they have and the skills that they have and using those to, to move themselves forward in life. And we provide a conduit. I, I always tell people that you know, the, the hard work that's done to end homelessness here it's not done by the organization at Street Sense. We're just sort of a platform for the men and women who are themselves doing that really hard work and using their own talents, their own skills, their own personalities and charisma to move themselves beyond homelessness. One uh, unique benefit for the, the men and women who pass through the doors of Street Sense is there's no, there's no judgment. You know, you could walk in the door and you could be coming directly from jail or some sort of substance abuse center. Your history, not that it's totally irrelevant, but it doesn't necessarily play a factor in into whether or not you're going to be allowed to become a street sense vendor, assuming you follow the regulations that you all have in place to, to become a vendor. Can you talk about that? Sure. You know, like everyone else on the planet, I've, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. I've made a lot of bad mis- decisions in my life. Uh, I've gotten myself into some pretty desperate situations in my life, uh, economically, financially, um, employment-wise. I know what it feels like to be judged, and, and I know being judged, you know, I think most of us are our own uh, harshest critics. And we're not about looking at folks' past and asking them, how did you end up? in the circumstances you are. We're at, we take people at their word when they, when they show up here. We take them at their word that they, they want a different future for themselves. Uh, and we look for a way to provide that for them. Uh, and again, we don't hand them a better future. We give them the opportunity to work their asses off to create a better future for themselves. Um, whether that's standing out in a street corner on a 90 degree day or a 10 degree day in the rain or the snow, 
um, whether that's uh, getting up on stage and, and telling their story to an audience of folks or, or putting their story together in a movie and, and, and doing all the hard work it takes to, to bring a movie through a production process so that it can be shared with a, with a wider public. That hard work is done here by men and women who are looking to change their lives around. Um, and in all of my years in, in social services, I know that the, the, the moment you judge someone, you push yourself further away from being able to help them in any way. But it really begins with ourselves. I mean, we, we, we're all the same here. We've all made mistakes. We're all looking for second chances. And uh, we're all looking for uh, a chance to, to use our skills to better ourselves and to better our community. The paper is really the heart and you know, sort of the, the origin, the genesis of Street Sense, the physical print paper. But it's moved, you know, much, much beyond that. And the momentum has been building for, for many years, but it's sort of becoming a little bit more concrete in the last two to three, and then this past year, 2015, being a particularly galvanizing year of this momentum and this creative energy around this this burgeoning media center. Can you just talk about the way in which the paper has gone beyond the physical paper and how it's transformed? What we knew was that the opportunity for self-expression that writing for the newspaper offered was really powerful and transformative. Uh, for the men and women who were choosing to get involved, not just in selling the paper, but also in writing for it, we just saw a much greater impact on their lives in a positive way. And we began wondering, could, could we do that uh, on platforms beyond print, beyond the newspaper? And also, we recognized that, that increasingly, a, a newspaper was becoming extinct. We were running the risk of putting all of our efforts into one medium that, that was declining around the United States and, and the world. And so we also wanted to engage a larger, wider audience, folks who might never buy the newspaper. So we began looking at um, other platforms that would do those two things. One, opportunities for self-expression, and two, uh, opportunities to engage a wider audience beyond the newspaper. The, the first project we began uh, implementing was a, a theater project. I had previously worked at a tutoring and mentoring program for kids living in the shelter, children living in the D.C. shelters. Um, and one summer we had the opportunity to, to uh, partner with uh, Helen Hayes award-winning playwright, a woman named Karen Zacharias, uh, and her organization, Young Playwrights Theater. And we picked about eight, eight or nine young people from this, from this tutoring and mentoring program and, and put them in a, in a workshop with kids from other schools around the city. Um, and we picked some of the, the, the kids who were the, the biggest troublemakers, the kids who were the most disruptive acting out, both in school and in, in our tutoring program. And they just thrived in this theater workshop. Um, and they, they, brought a, they were a part of bringing a play to a production, a full production here. And uh, I fell in love there with the, the opportunity that that theater offered for transformation, uh, both for, for the folks who were participating in it and the folks who were experiencing the theater as an audience member. And so we were introduced to two playwrights at George Washington University School, Department of Theater and Dance at George Washington University, and they just embraced the idea. This is Leslie Jacobson and Elizabeth Kitsos-King. They embraced this idea of having a workshop uh, of men and women who had been homeless to bring theater performance around the issue of homelessness to, to the public here in Washington. And things began to just grow organically from there. That same summer of 2013, Brian Bellow, a young, uh, very talented 
filmmaker uh, interested in exploring uh, homelessness through film. Um, and he began a workshop with our with our vendors. Uh, we added a photography workshop. We've added interactive art. Uh, we've added these podcasts. We added a series of public issue forums. And the goal of all of these is to engage the public in thoughtful discussion and dialogue around the issue. Uh, again, to move us towards a growing intolerance for homelessness in our, in our midst. Uh, we should be outraged that there are folks sleeping outside tonight in the city, uh, in a city of such enormous wealth. We should be outraged that some of those folks are veterans of the United States Army. We should be outraged that some of those folks have chronic mental illness and other physical illnesses. Because as, as a community, we can do better than this. We can do better than, than having folks uh, who are in the midst of struggling with things like mental illness uh, sleeping outside in our community. We're, we're a better community than that, than that reflects. One thing we know now is that the cost, the financial cost to us as a community to allow homelessness to exist is far, far beyond. It's actually twice as much as it costs to house people and to provide them with case management and the services they need to remain in that housing. And study after study has shown that, including a recent study here in Washington, D.C., and so, you know, I'm, I'm one of those folks who have been screaming from the rooftops for several decades now about the moral implications of homelessness. But now we can also talk about the economic implications of homelessness. And while the myth is that to end homelessness would be out of reach economically, the truth is if we house the folks who are experiencing homelessness, we're going to save ourselves money because they're going to uh, demand a lot less on the emergency systems in the city that are far more expensive than housing is. Um, whether that's uh, emergency psychiatric care or emergency room medical care or a 911 response because someone is urinating in public, for instance, um, the cost of an overnight jail cell, which is a lot more than it costs to house somebody over the course of, of a month or a year. And so we, we believe now that we've, we've got a mayor who gets that, and she's making a lot of decisions. She's bringing a lot of folks into the city to work for her that seem to understand that, this new understanding that homelessness just doesn't make sense economically. And, and we, we are hopeful here that we're on the track towards ending it. Um, and, and seeing the day when, when folks aren't sleeping outside and chronic homelessness doesn't exist here anymore in the city. One of the, the various multimedia workshops, which is Adam Madawala's Digital Marketing, Digital Hope. So we're very interested in here in providing these economic opportunities for people to allow them to use their own skill and their own willingness to work really hard to move themselves towards greater economic stability and eventually into, into permanent housing. Uh, and one of the workshops that we began, began in early 2014, was a digital marketing course uh, where some of our best writers were handpicked from writing from the newspaper into, and put into this course or offered this course where they were being taught how to write uh, commercial marketing materials. And they've progressed now to the point where they're uh, getting paid contracts and, and, and satisfying contracts uh, while earning money. And uh, it's around the lessons that we've learned in this very small pilot workshop that we believe we have discovered uh, what we hope to be a, a very wide and very successful 
model for moving many of the men and women who come to us looking for a better economic future for themselves um, to put them on a pathway towards that by creating greater opportunities to learn and then fulfill to do work in, in this field of, of digital marketing. So we talked about, you know, the dramatic sea change that's happened over the course of the last couple of years, culminating in, in 2015. Can you talk about what's in store for 2016? So we have uh, three or four major goals for next year um, and, and for the, the next several succeeding years. Um, one is a- across our platforms, across our channels, we, we're working very hard to improve the content of what we're producing, whether that's the newspaper or one of our films one of our theater productions. We really want to up the ante and, and increase the, the reach and, and engagement that those channels offer us. Uh, we also want to build this new pathway to employment for uh, more of our vendors, and we're, we're looking to invest a lot of resources and expertise in doing that. Um, thirdly, we're looking to add a social service component to everything that we do here. Uh, a lot of our, uh, the men and women who come here, a lot of the vendors are disabled by either mental illness or, or physical disabilities or chronic health conditions. And those folks uh, have uh, resources available to them through the public services here in the District of Columbia, including subsidized housing. But the pathway to those services is very arduous and complicated, uh, and it takes a lot of persistence. And we want to add case management support for those folks here so that they can speed through those pathways a little bit quicker um, and get to the housing that they deserve and that this community owes them as well. Uh, You know, one of the things we know that that happens in these workshops is that a genuine sense of not just community, but a genuine sense of family develops. Uh, What I know to be true from the 30 years I've spent working with people who are homeless is that if you find yourself sleeping out in the street, you've lost all tethers to a community uh, that you may have had previously. Um, And one of the most powerful things that we offer here uh, is an opportunity to rebuild that fabric of community, that fabric of family. Um, And that's so important. That's the foundation on which we thrive in our lives. Um, And that's the foundation upon which we we experience stability and and build stability, build stable lives. Um, And so when we meet people, they they really don't have that. And and in these workshops where people are using their powers of self-expression, uh, it really gives them, um, because there's a lot of vulnerability, that's, that's, people sort of put their lives out there uh, by sharing their stories in, in the workshops. Uh, and in that, we're seeing a real sense of community and family develop. Um, and we know that that is such a key component to building more stable futures for the, for the men and women that we work with here. You've had experience with this world since the, the mid-80s, more or less, in Washington, D.C., Obviously, it's still a huge problem. It's something like roughly like 12,000 people-ish in and around the city are, are still homeless. Do you feel like the ball has been moved forward, not just as you know the executive director of Street Sense, but just as a citizen in the District of Columbia since the 80s, like how the landscape, the homeless landscape has changed? The landscape has changed. That sense of outrage doesn't exist anymore. You know, folks who are, you know, 18, 19, 20 now were born into a world where homelessness is just part of the social fabric. Uh, And certainly since the the recession, the Great Recession of 2008, uh, the numbers began going up again pretty dramatically. 
What we see, though, on the horizon are, and we see it very clearly here in the District of Columbia, are public officials who now understand that homelessness is an economic drain on the city uh, and that the solution is actually more cost-effective, more cost-saving than allowing the problem to still exist. So in that way, I'm optimistic. Um, but but let, let's be real clear, the problem still is very large. Uh, we've got a number of, certainly a number of years to go if we stay focused before we can eliminate chronic homelessness. But uh, it's in sight. Uh, we, we have the resources and, and we seem to now have a leadership here in this city that, that gets it and understands it and is a, a willing partner with us and with the other nonprofit organizations that are committed to seeing an end to chronic homelessness here in the city. What about the work that you've done are you most proud of? It's not a street sense specific question. I may not answer your question so directly here, but it's an enormous privilege to walk alongside someone who is trying to change their life. I certainly have not seen in my career enough homelessness ended, enough people who've moved beyond homelessness, and we, we don't see that enough here at Street Sense. Um, but so much of what we're called to be is to just be present to folks who are suffering, people who are uh, in awful circumstances, to, 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 to just be with them uh, along their journey. Um, and. That's a, a, a graceful opportunity, um, and it's a privilege to have the opportunity. You know, I've, I've been a part of building some really innovative programs in my career, some really innovative uh, housing programs that have taken folks that have lived uh, out, out in the woods, uh, out in Fairfax County for a decade or more, and, and seen their way into permanent housing for the rest of their lives. And we've seen a lot of folks here at Street Sense, uh, especially in the last 18 months, end their homelessness after 10 or more years of being homeless. And uh, again, I don't, I don't take credit for that, but it's a real privilege to watch that journey happen. And when you spend time with people who are clawing their way beyond uh, an awful situation, you, you get a real glimpse about what it means to be human, and uh, it gives you an opportunity to really understand uh, how, lucky, how lucky you are. Is there a particular story or, or anecdote that really stands out for you? Patty, uh, who a year ago I uh, ran into in the middle of an awful snowstorm. She was catching a cigarette break outside of the awful, decrepit 2nd and D Street shelter down in, uh, near the U.S. Capitol. And today, Patty's in her own housing um, for the first time. And it's a house, it's an apartment that she can stay in for the rest of her life. And this Christmas, she spent it at home in her, in her own apartment. And Patty suffers from mental illness. Uh, Patty's had a lot of health struggles in her life. Uh, and Patty now has the housing that she deserves. And in early December, Patty was up on a stage with some local high school students in a really incredible production um, where young high school students and men and women here at Street Sense who were homeless were, were exploring how much common ground they shared. And to know that uh, a year ago, Patty was sitting out in, in the freezing cold um, and is now in a nice warm home of her own um, is really one of the best gifts I've had uh, uh, in the last year. And I, I recently asked this question to Laura Zeilinger, the director of human services here in the district. If you had one wish for the city, you could wave a wand and make it come true, make it happen, what would it be? That we'd close the gap between wages and the cost of housing in this city by investing in affordable housing 
uh, and that we embrace the idea that, that housing is a right uh, as equal to the right to public education, equal to the right to access to, to medical care, equal to the right to be able to, to raise your children in a safe community, uh, that housing is a, is a right um, and that we're a better community when we, when we embrace that and, and, and offer it to everyone. And the same question now uh, applying to street sets. If you had one wish for the organization. I want to get us to the day where uh, we don't have anything to write about anymore, where we don't have any, any movies to make about chronic homelessness because it doesn't exist here in the city anymore. Um, and then we can close up shop and, and turn our sights to a, to a different problem. Uh, that, that's my ultimate dream here. And when, when I say that my job is to help this organization put itself out of business, I, I take that very seriously. We're about addressing the systemic issues, issue of homelessness, because we want to see a day when, when there is no more chronic homelessness in the city and Street Sense can, can go away. That was advocate and executive director of Street Sense, Brian Carone. To learn more about Street Sense, DC's nonprofit media center dedicated to creating economic opportunities for people experiencing homelessness, go to streetsense.org. And to hear more sounds from the street, check out streetsense.org audio, or find us on SoundCloud or the podcast app Stitcher. Please keep the conversation going on Facebook and Twitter at StreetSenseDC. The Sounds from the Street theme song, I Need a Dollar, How to Make It in America, performed by Aloe Black from the album Good Things, used courtesy of Stone's Throw Records. The song was composed by Aloe Black with Leon Michaels, Nick Movshan, and Jeff Dynamite, used by permission of Songs of Cobalt Music Publishing, EMI Blackwood Music Incorporated, slash Sony ATV. Excerpts of the following use courtesy of Creative Commons and found on WFMU's Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. For Land, For Love, For Time, composed and performed by Wineland from the album Breaks in the Sun. Curious, composed and performed by Jean-Luc Hefferman from the album Production Music from the Needle Drop Company. In a Dream, composed and performed by Johnny Ripper from the album Songs for a Film That Doesn't Exist. And the following from Blue Dot Sessions, Blue Jay and Cottonwoods on the album Feathers, Threads and Veils and Paving Stones on the album The Contessa, and Tar and Spackle on the album Plaster. I am Brian Carome, and you're listening to Sounds from the Street. Thanks for listening, and Happy New Year. <laughs>